الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا ونبينا وحبيب قلوبنا وشفيع نفوسنا أبي القاسم المصطفى محمد وعلى أهل بيته الطيبين الطاهرين واللعن الدائم على أعدائهم أجمعين إلى قيام يوم الدين صلى الله عليك يا أبا عبد الله My condolences on the shahada of Sayyidu Shabab Ahl al-Jannah Aba Abdullah al-Hussain alayhi salam with a grieving heart we will discuss the last stages of how it happened that Ashura took place on a day like this and a time like this that now Imam Hussain has been killed and the women and children are running around in the, the plains of Karbala on a day like this, at a time like this, on a night like this we will discuss in this last lecture how it happened what were those last stages, those last dots that we can connect that will bring everything together that the Banu Umayyah from the lowest levels reach the highest levels of power and eventually what happened today happened and that was the Shahada of Aba Abdullah al Hussein alayhi salam in our last lecture we talked about how the father of the Ummah Ali ibn Abi Talib alayhi salam Ana wa Ali Aba wa hadhihi al-ummah Me and Ali the Holy Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi said We are the fathers of this ummah That father of the ummah His life was taken He was struck on the 19th of Ramadan And the 21st he passed away And he went to the al-mala' al-a'la this father of the Ummah, his assassination plays a major role as well in the Shahada of Aba Abdullah Hussein salam. What happens is after the assassination of Ali, after this obstacle is removed from in front of the Banu Umayyah and, and Muawiyah, there is no obstacle anymore. Yes, it is very, it's a very a flat road that you can easily ride on from here on and smooth sailing and so from here on brothers and sisters the dominoes start falling one after another although from uh, you know it, the time is still a big amount of time after Ali ibn Abi Talib's shahada till Ashura is about 20 years but the dominoes it just feel, it just seems like History moves very fast here, from here on. And the dominoes just keep falling one after another. No one can compete anymore with Muawiyah. We have to be real about this. We have to be realistic. Imam al-Hassan in the Shia school of thought is the second Imam of Ahlul Bayt, the second of, of, of the chosen ones, of the 12 Imams of the Shia school of thought. Yes. But if you take that away from Imam al-Hassan, He's a person, a Sahabi, of course, that you know was alive when he was very young, around the Prophet, 
And that's about it really. And he is of course the son of Fatima Zahra and of course the Holy Prophet had a special love for him and all of that. Yes, all of that is true and all of that is accepted. But that's about it brothers and sisters. There's no reason other than that to really follow him if he feels that he needs to do something versus other Sahaba who might see otherwise. And so here, realistically, when Imam Ali is the he, Imam Ali was the only hope. If Imam Ali is gone, that hope is gone. And Imam Al Hasan is not able to stand up against Muawiyah in the sense of an army. If the people were not listening to Ali السلام, then why should they listen to Al Hasan السلام? And so, we I want to share with you this letter of Muawiyah to Imam al-Hasan that illustrates this. The fact that Imam al-Hasan, you're not, you can't stand up to me. Who are you to stand up to me? In this letter, Muawiyah, in a very respectful tone, he says this to Imam al-Hasan. It's a, the tone might be respectful, but what he says in this letter is very disrespectful to Imam al-Hasan. And I'm just going to bring one part of it that just illustrates how even Muawiyah understands that al-Hasan alayhi salam is not up to par with him. Na'udhu Billah. There are other parts of this letter that I'm going to be skipping right now. The part that's relevant goes like this. It says, of course, Imam al-Hasan had written a letter to Muawiyah first asking him for bay'ah. Because everyone says that yes, the Khalifa after, the, after Imam Ali salam is still Imam al-Hasan. It's not Muawiyah. Even if Muawiyah is sitting in Sham, after the arbitration thinking and people calling him Amir al-Mu'mineen still this is not accepted by everyone that he is Khalifatul Muslimin. Imam al-Hasan bay'ah was given to him after Imam Ali becomes shaheed by many people but practically let's see what happens. Imam al-Hasan he writes a letter to Muawiyah he says I'm the Khalifa now you give me bay'ah. What is Muawiyah's response? He says if I was confident you can take care of the people better than me and that you are more cautious over this nation and are better at the politics and are stronger at collecting wealth and smarter at dealing with the enemy, I would answer your call and deem you as worthy for this position. I would give you bay'ah. But you know how I have ruled for longer than you. You see brothers and sisters, these dots are coming together now. These puzzle pieces. I have ruled longer than you. Who put you in power to begin with to rule? It happened, we talked about it in the fourth lecture. The second Khalifa put him in power. Now are we saying that, oh, the second Khalifa did this so that something like Ashura takes place later? As I said before, again and again, I said this is irrelevant to our discussion. That at least was a mistake that happened. That was a mistake. Banu Umayyah should not be given power because this is what happens. Look at how he is now speaking to Imam al-Hasan salam. Very, you can tell he's relaxed. He's not worried. He says, I have ruled for longer than you. Have more experience than you. And I'm older than you. One of the reasons why Ali ibn Abi Talib was not chosen as Khalifa was because he was young, they say. You had more senior uh, companions of the Holy Prophet. And when they're there, Age itself sometimes can play a role, can be a qualification. Therefore, therefore, it is more befitting for you to answer me in regards to what you're asking for. So concede to my authority, give me bay'ah. And so this shows that Muawiyah sees himself already as 
the Khalifa of the Muslimin. Al Hasan alayhi salam, you're the one who has to give me bay'ah. This is in Ibn Abi Hadid relates this. Um, yes. All right. So it says that Imam al Hasan alayhi salam now, because he also knows how important this Rasul fitna is. After Ali alayhi salam becomes shaheed, Imam al Hasan puts together an army now. He's not giving bay'ah. I'm still the Khalifa. Time to go fight him. Once again, this part of history is easily neglected. No one even cares, as it, it seems, as if anymore. If Ali salam was asking for bay'ah, there will be discussion. You know, which side was with haq, which side was batil, which side is fi'atul baghiyah, and all these things. Because Ali ibn Abi Talib is one of the four khulafa al-rashidun, as they say. But al-Hasan salam isn't, isn't one of those. So of course, it's not, no one's going to really take it serious. Oh, Al-Hasan, you're the Khalifa, but, and Muawiyah has to give you bay'ah? Okay, whatever, you know, not too important. It's not discussed that much. But no, for, technically speaking, and on paper, we have to make the same big deal about this that we do about that. Of course, Imam Ali salam has a higher status. But we're talking about Khalifa to muslimin right now. Who is officially Khalifa to muslimin Who have the Muslims given their bay'ah to after Ali ibn Abi Talib? It's to Al-Hasan. And it's not necessarily because Imam Ali says, my son has to be Khalifa after me. The people gave their bay'ah to Al-Hasan after Imam Ali uh, became Shaheed. Alright, so no big deal is made. Okay, fine. 12,000, an army of 12,000 he puts together. But in the end, they betrayed him. And there was too much division. You've all probably heard. I don't want to get into these details. That lone and lonely commander of Islam, Al-Hasan salam who his own people, there were khawarij amongst his army. There was so much division. His commanders, some of them, they defected to Muawiyah and went on Muawiyah's side. I can't get into details of that. The story of Ubaidullah bin Abbas, the brother of Abdullah bin Abbas, how he defected. Although Busr bin Artah had killed this person's sons and beheaded them in front of their mother, as history tells us. And that was by the command of Muawiyah. Busr going and doing all of this crime was by the command of Muawiyah. Yet he, he defects to the side of Muawiyah. So these are the commanders. These are the, these are the soldiers. There's khawarij in there. It says that they actually injured Al-Hasan salam. He had to leave and go get taken care of. This is what he's dealing with. And he knows that eventually the people not only will not fight against Muawiyah the way they're supposed to, they might even end up killing him and he senses that danger. Now here, unfortunately, history really, really, we as Shia believe, has been altered. Um, and they say that Al-Hasan was a peacemaker. Al-Hasan was not interested in fighting. Al-Hasan had disagreed with his father. And after the battle of Safin, Ali salam, when he was regretful, astaghfirullah, regretful at all the lives lost, Al-Hasan told him, Father, didn't I tell you in the beginning, don't fight this battle? Na'udhu Billah, Na'udhu Billah. As if Imam Al-Hasan is going against Ali ibn Abi Talib here. If, his Imam and his Khalifa. Anyway, this is the part where history really gets out of hand, brothers and sisters. And it reached a point where Muawiyah now here there's also two opinions. Some say Muawiyah reached out to Al-Hasan and said, you know what, let's just sign a peace treaty. 
And Al-Hasan knows that if he doesn't say yes to this, that it's going to eventually end up in his life being lost, Al-Husayn's life being lost, and everyone else's life being lost that are important. He has no choice. And once again, there's a lot of details here that we just can't get into right now. The peace treaty or the ceasefire, let's call it, of Al-Hasan with Muawiyah. One of the biggest game changers, biggest, biggest, and that one of those final, final dominoes that falls, that is going to bring down the house, is going to end up in Ashura. Why do I say that? Because, as I said, Muawiyah asked for this ceasefire. Some say no, Imam al-Hasan asked for it, whatever. But this ceasefire is signed, and one of the terms of this ceasefire is that Muawiyah will become Khalifa of the Muslim Ummah. Now officially, although practically it was already kind of the case, but now officially, power, Khilafa, authority is transferred to Muawiyah of Bani Sufyan. This is it, brothers and sisters. And of course, there's other conditions in this contract that were not honored later we believe we're not honored. Once again, those who defend Muawiyah will dismiss all of this, will justify much of, much of it. But with this, brothers and sisters, things do not look good anymore. To reverse where the Muslim Ummah has reached, the only way to reverse such a thing now seems to be the blood of the master of martyrs. Yeah, you can see it. You can see it in the horizon. Ashura sometime, looks like sometime down the line there will be a major bloodshed. And major not because of the number of lives lost, but the quality of lives that are lost. So this peace treaty and this ceasefire is signed. Imam al-Hasan relinquishes this Khilafah. Muawiyah is now Khalifatul Muslimin. And so with that ends 30 years of, let's call it Khilafah and mulk begins. Here, this is a hadith that once again, we might not believe in, but there is a hadith that is used and is said a lot about how the Holy Prophet said that إِنَّ الْخِلَافَةَ بَعْدِي ثَلَاثُونَ سَنَةً That after me, Khilafah is going to be 30 years and after 30 years will begin monarchy, mulk. As Sa'ad bin Abi Waqqas, a few lectures ago I talked about how he had said this to the one who was sent to replace him, to Walid bin Uqba, uh, who had been sent to replace him by Uthman. He told him, uh, I see that you're going to change this Khilafah to Mulk in monarchy. So after 30 years, the Holy Prophet says, Khilafah will turn into a monarchy and it won't be Khilafah anymore. Is that a bad thing necessarily? No. Why? Why is it not necessarily a bad thing? Because Qala al-Dhahabi, al-Dhahabi in his book Siyar A'lam al-Nubala, he says, he says, وَمُعَاوِيَ مِنْ خِيَارِ الْمُلُوكِ Muawiyah was one of the best of kings. الَّذِينَ غَلَبَ عَدْلُهُمْ عَلَى ظُلْمِهِمْ Whose adl and justice overwhelmed and overtook their dhulm. Yes, they might have had dhulm, they might have had mistakes, but their justice outweighed it. Yes? So this, just because it's a mulk now and a monarchy doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. It's interesting. They say that the Holy Prophet passed away at the end of Safar, you know, Rabi' al-Awwal is a time where the Prophet is not alive anymore in the 11th year after Hijrah. And then 41st of Hijrah, 
is when this, when Imam al-Hasan in Rabi' al-Awwal, the 41st of Rabi' al-Awwal, Imam al-Hasan relinquishes the Khilafah to Muawiyah. And so here they say it's a miracle. The Prophet had foretold this, that exactly 30 years will pass of Khilafah and then it will turn into a monarchy. The Shis will also have a response to that and will have an answer to that. We don't believe that that would necessarily be the case. Maybe this hadith came and was made later to justify certain things. Anyway, let's move on brothers and sisters. Muawiyah now is the Khalifa for 10 years of Imam Hassan's time and for 10 years of Imam Hussein's time. 20 years Muawiyah works on the people of Sham and other places as well. Cursing of Ali on the minbar takes place. Once again, those who defend Muawiyah say all of this is not true. But the history sources have said this. A lot of them have said this. The people start thinking that the Ahlul Bayt are Banu Umayyah. This is the Ahlul Bayt. These are the cousins of the Holy Prophet. This is the family that the Holy Prophet was talking about. Brothers and sisters, think about it. If Imam Ali had actually become Khalifa when he was in his 30s, and Saqifah had not taken place, the same way Muawiyah had worked on the people's minds for 20 years, Ali ibn Abi Talib in his 30s, he would have lived to at least 60, 70, 80 years of age. Think about the wonders how Imam Ali would have trained the people, would have raised the people, would have worked on their minds in the right way and given them the right ideology, the right Islamic uh, worldview and the right, uh, and the right Islamic view on governance and all of that. Everything would have been taken care of. But who ends up getting this opportunity? Muawiyah gets this opportunity. And so of course he's going to do it in his way, the way he wants. And these things were happening. Fast forward now, 10 years pass, Imam al-Hasan is poisoned. Another obstacle is removed. Imam al-Hasan, this was, the Shi'i school of thought believes that there was skill involved here, that Muawiyah conspired. Once again, this will be dismissed by those who defend Muawiyah. This is skill. Lots of it was luck, but these are the skills of Muawiyah now showing the 20 years work he did. The poisoning of Imam al-Hasan salam. Why should he get rid of someone like Imam al-Hasan? Well, because in, the, in that ceasefire, one of the conditions was if that Muawiyah dies, al-Hasan becomes Khalifa. Yes, so al-Hasan has to die before Muawiyah. And this happens, brothers and sisters. The main competitor now to Yazid is gone. Imam al-Hasan, this threat is no longer there. And now it's true that, it's true that Imam Hussein is alive. But the thing is, and that the, the, the ceasefire had said that if Imam Hassan is not alive, Imam Hussein will be the one to become Khalifa after Muawiyah. But the problem is, brothers and sisters, that Imam al-Hasan is seen by everybody as the competitor to Yazid. Muawiyah can take care of Imam Hussein. Muawiyah can get away with making Yazid Khalifa if only Imam Hussein is alive. Yes, if Imam Hassan is alive, it's going to be harder. But once Imam Hassan is removed, Imam Hussein is not going to be a problem too much. Why? Well, that brings us to our next milestone. And that is how Muawiyah bin Abi Sufyan starts to gather bay'ah towards the end of his life. After Imam Hassan is poisoned, starts to gather bay'ah from the people of the Muslim lands. For who? For Yazid bin Muawiyah. If he can get the bay'ah for them in his lifetime, if he can get the bay'ah from them for Yazid in his lifetime, then he doesn't have to worry after he dies 
that this is going to go, this khilaf is going to go back to Bani Hashim and Imam Hussein. He won't have to worry about it. Because the people will say, oh, we already gave bay'ah, we're going to stick to our bay'ah, and we're going to be loyal to Yazid. So he has to work on this. It's not an easy job, brothers and sisters, because people know what Yazid is all about. And so Muawiyah has to go to, to the people of Sham, without any problem, they give their bay'ah. But the people of Iraq are hard. He has to bend their arms. He has to go to Medina. And the Sahaba of Rasulullah are there. Yazid's not a Sahabi. There are grand Sahaba compared to him still alive. Yeah. So how dare you even think of appointing Yazid after yourself? And so this is where discussions happen, debates happen between Muawiyah and people in Medina. Abdullah bin Umar, Abdullah bin Zubair, Imam Hussein, they say, never met with Muawiyah to talk about this. Um, some reports at least say this. I haven't done thorough research on it. Abdullah bin Umar, Abdullah bin Zubair. Some say that Abdullah bin Abbas is still alive. He's more deserving to be Khalifa. And others as well, brothers and sisters. So it takes a lot of hard work from Muawiyah. Sometimes he has to spend a lot of money. Sometimes he might have to threaten people. God knows. But Muawiyah is experienced. He is a seasoned politician and he's able to eventually get a lot of bay'ah and gather a lot of bay'ah for his son Yazid. So now here, what is Muawiyah's argument with the people? His argument is this. He says, look, and there's a reason why I'm saying this. I want to talk about this a little bit. He says, look, if the Khilafah was left to the Ummah after the Prophet, and the Prophet, he didn't tell the people what to do after him. So it's interesting, according to this, Muawiyah believes that the Prophet really didn't say anything about it. We as Shia say, that's not possible. A Prophet who, underst who understands more than the rest, understands that he has to appoint somebody after him. Because after him, all of the Khulafa appointed somebody. Yes, with the exception of um, the exception of Imam Ali salam, he didn't do it the way that the previous Khulafa did. He might have hinted at it, he might have encouraged it that Imam al-Hasan is the Khalifa after him. But no way did it happen like a six-person council or the Imam saying, this is the one after me necessarily. There might be different reports on this, but some reports will say that, yes, Muawiyah is saying that, look, when I look back, Yes, the Holy Prophet he didn't do it like that. But all the ones who came after did. Yes, now you want to make an exception for Ali ibn Abi Talib or you don't, it doesn't matter. If, because Muawiyah is not going to follow the example of Ali anyway. <laughs> and so here we have this problem. He says, look, the Prophet didn't appoint anybody. Abu Bakr appointed one person without talking to anybody about it really, almost. The second Khalifa put, to, put a six-person council together. So when I look at this sunnah of the previous Khulafa, I don't find anything that tells me I have to do something in a certain way. They had their way of doing it, and so I can do it my way too. And so I believe, and here are those who, once again, defend Muawiyah, they will say that Muawiyah saw good characteristics and features in his son. He felt like his son is bold enough, is confident enough, is strong enough 
Yes, and smart enough to be the leader of the Ummah. And if, the, and if Muawiyah gathers bay'ah for Yazid before his death, this way the unity of the Ummah will be maintained instead of leaving it for after. Okay, now the question is this. And this is what some of the Sahaba brought up, like Abdullah bin Zubair. He tells Muawiyah, this is your argument. Okay, so you want us to give bay'ah to Yazid right now, but you're alive. How can we give bay'ah to have bay'ah with two people at the same time? The Holy Prophet says, said, this is according to Abdullah bin Zubair, that you cannot give bay'ah to two people at the same time. Right now we have your bay'ah, O Muawiyah. We, we are under your, we have given you bay'ah. So we can't give Yazid bay'ah until you die. Unless you in your lifetime relinquish your khilafah and then he becomes khalifa while you're alive and then we will give bay'ah to him. Alright, so here we have a lot of questions. We have a lot, a lot of things to talk about, brothers and sisters. And by the way, they say that uh, Muawiyah was able to get bay'ah from a lot and only a few were left, like the Abdullah bin Zubayr's like the Imam Husseins, like the Abdullah bin Umar's, a few were left that did not give bay'ah, and later on those were taken care of in one way or another, and only Imam Hussein was left and Abdullah bin Zubair was left. Okay, having said all of that, we have to talk about something here, very important. And it's a very important question, that if Muawiyah is saying all of this, is he right or wrong? If Muawiyah is saying, that look, the ones before me, they had their way to do it and I'm going to do my way. Is he wrong about that? Brothers and sisters, we cannot have double standards. If Khilafa and the Khalifa is what determines who the next Khalifa is going to be and can determine it when it comes to the first Khalifa and the second Khalifa, then the sixth Khalifa being Muawiyah, he can also appoint somebody after him, even if it's his own son. People are going to say it's a monarchy. Let them say it's a monarchy. He feels, he's doing ijtihad, and he feels that his son Yazid is the one that is the most qualified. And he has to say this to the people. And he has, as a matter of fact, it might be wajib for him. This is where double standards yeah, start to show themselves a little bit. Why can't he do that? Why are you going to scold him? Why are you going to call him out on that? Let him do it. And so what we hear some of those who are very staunch supporters of Muawiyah today saying, makes sense according to the standards that they have. A few years ago, the grand, one of the grand muftis of Al-Mamlaka Al-Saudiyah of Saudi Arabia, by the name of Al-Sheikh Al-Sheikh, this made noise by the way, and some of you have heard this. He came out and he said, he said, Inna bay'ata Yazid kanat bay'atan shar'iyyah. This was a shar'i, a legitimate bay'ah that was given to Yazid. And Imam Hussein made a mistake. He should not have stood up against the Khalifa of his time, and he should have given bay'ah to the Yazid of his time, uh, to the Khalifa of his time, Yazid. Right? So, this, brothers and sisters, I'm sorry to say this, but according to those standards that we have in Saqifah onwards, those standards dictate that what Muawiyah is doing now is perfectly fine and it's right. And as a matter of fact, Imam Hussein is wrong. And so you can't say uh, Imam Hussein is a shaheed and bay'ah, he, he didn't have to give bay'ah to Yazid and because it was a monarchy, he was standing up to it and all of that. No, 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 no. The previous Khalifa is appointing the next Khalifa. 
the people have to follow suit. And this is where what some people, what they say, makes even more sense. Because the standards, those are the standards. What do some people say? This is, has been mentioned, I've heard this, I didn't check the book itself, but I'm, I won't be surprised if it is there. Famous scholar by the name of uh, Abu Bakr ibn al-Arabi. He says that, uh, and this has been quoted, I haven't checked it myself, but I'm not surprised if it's there. That in al-Husayn qutila bisayfi jaddihi. This is very profound and deep. Profound and deep in the sense of understanding what saqifa entails. If there's going to be a saqifa, there has to be a bay'ah for Yazid. There's nothing wrong with it. Brothers and sisters, let's be very clear about this. Now, some people here will say that no Imam Hussein, when you know start, things started getting worse and worse in Karbala, before the battle actually broke out, he said, let me go to Yazid and give him bay'ah. And it was Umar ibn Sa'ad and Ubaidullah bin Ziyad that didn't let him do that, or else he wanted to give bay'ah. This is nonsense. This is unacceptable. No one in their right mind should believe that Imam Hussein would say such a thing. But there are some who say this. No, Hussein wanted to go. He said, you know what? You know what? Let's just go and give bay'ah to Yazid. Astaghfirullah. But if you're going to believe in Saqifah, then you have to believe in Istikhlafu Yazid. You have to believe that he was Khalifa. Now, some will have responses to this, but this is something to think about. To think about. A Khalifa is a Khalifa. If Khilafah is something that Allah wants us to believe in, we have to obey our Khalifa, then this is a Khalifa. What sets him apart from others? Especially since Muawiyah. Although he is a Malik, although he is a king, they say, but he is one of the Sahaba. So he's a Sahabi even, whose ijtihadat have to be followed. He is the Khalifa, he's a Sahabi, he's doing ijtihad in this case. And so a person like Sheikh Ali Sheikh, you can't call him out. He's right. Because this, this Sheikh has the standards of Saqifa in mind. And that's why he says the bay'ah of Yazid is a bay'ah shar'iyah. And that's why a person like Abu Bakr, Abu Bakr ibn al-Arabi, he will say, and of course this ibn al-Arabi should not be mistaken with, that, with the Sufi ibn Arabi. This is someone else. This is uh, the, the one with that famous book of... Uh, where he answers the shubahat against the Khulafa and, and Muawiyah and so on. Um, if I'm not mistaken, it's al, al, the, the book of Al-Qawasim. And so, it'll make sense what he says. He says, Al-Husayn al-Husayn qutila bi-jaddi sayfihi. Bi-sayf, excuse me, bi-sayfi jaddihi. That Imam Hussein, and this is very important here, I'm building up so that I can, I'm building things up to say this line. That Imam Hussein salam was killed by the sword of his grandfather. What does that mean? They'll explain it. And they'll say that it's because Rasulullah himself taught us that if anyone, anyone, no matter who that person is, causes shak al-asa and causes division amongst the ummah, then he is to be get, get gotten rid of and is to be brought to justice, exterminated. Even if it's going to be Al-Husayn. The Holy Prophet gave us this 
quote-unquote sword, that if anyone is going to be a problem for the Muslim ummah and causes division, this is the sword that I'm going to give you. That, In other words, the justif you are justified in getting rid of that person. Subhanallah. This is what it comes to, brothers and sisters. When we say, let us connect the dots, let us connect the dots in these 50 years, this is what we're getting at. That the mantiq and the logic of a saqifah entails the mantiq and logic of an istikhlaf of Yazid and the bay'ah of Yazid being a shari'i bay'ah. There's no way out of it. Personally, I, I, I don't know what a response to this would be. Khalifatul Muslimin, Sahabi of Rasulullah, Khalul Mu'mineen, Katibul Wahi, Mujtahid doing ijtihad in this case, Muawiyah bin Abi Sufyan, he's doing all of this. Why not? Of course you have to listen to him. Yeah? If you follow that logic of Saqifah, that this is what Khilafah is all about. Yes, brothers and sisters. And so with that, we come to the death of Muawiyah. After the bay'ah is taken for Muawiyah, after the bay'ah is taken for Yazid, excuse me, what happens is, after the bay'ah is taken for Yazid, a little bit later, Muawiyah dies. Muawiyah dies, and with that comes to power Yazid bin Muawiyah, the one who doesn't care about anything, the one who, in the few years of his life, caused so much havoc and committed so many crimes that people just cannot forgive him for that. They just, there's no way out of it. The ones who will defend Muawiyah till their, till their last breath here will run out of breath. They don't know what to do anymore about it. They even go as far as justifying Ashura and saying, look, Yazid didn't know this was going to happen. It was Ubaidullah's fault. It was Shimr's fault. It was Umar ibn Sa'ad's fault. Yeah? And they'll call, but they'll still have to call him out on what happened in Waqat Harra. Or they'll call him out when the Kaaba was destroyed um, and was, was set ablaze in his time. Uh, Yazid had ordered that they go to Mecca and the sanctity of Mecca, Mecca was compromised. With Yazid, this person comes to power now. Brothers and sisters, Rasulullah on this side of the timeline, on this side of the timeline, Yazid bin Muawiyah. These 50 years, we connected the dots. Now Yazid comes to power and when he comes to power, of course he's going to demand bay'ah from Imam Hussein alayhi salam. And I personally think that even if he had not demanded for bay'ah, still Imam Hussein would have stood up. And I have my reasons for that. We don't have time to get into that. Imam Hussein would have still stood up. But this was even more of a reason now for Hussein to stand. And so Yazid demands bay'ah. And what is the response of Imam Hussein? Of course, the famous line, with mithli la yubayu mithla Yazid, that a person like me of my status will never give bay'ah to the likes of Yazid bin Muawiyah. So I want to draw a conclusion now, brothers and sisters. It doesn't matter how you look at it when it comes to Imam Hussein's movement. All right, some will be a little more minimal, some will be more, a little more maximal here. 
So it doesn't matter. If you say Imam Hussein wanted to stand up against Yazid, the oppressor. He wanted to stand up against oppression. If you say Imam Hussein wanted to take over Kufa and then overthrow Yazid and become Khalifa to Muslimin. If, you want, if, you, if that's what you say. If you say no, Imam Hussein wanted to save Islam with his death. Or if you just say no, no, no. Imam Hussein does not believe that he can, he can give bay'ah to Yazid, this tyrant. And so he has no choice but to leave Medina because his life is in danger and go to Mecca. And has to leave Mecca because his life is in danger there. The people of Kufa says, tell him you have a safe haven here, come to us. And so he goes there. And on the way he is intercepted and Karbala and Ashura takes place. Yeah. No matter what, however you look at it, in the end, why does Hussein ibn Ali alayhi salam end up in Karbala? It is because there is a Yazid in Sham of the Bani Umayyah who pushes him in that direction. No matter how you look at the movement of Aba Abdullah al-Hussein alayhi salam. And so this is where it all ends, brothers and sisters. Our timeline. All those dots that we connected. I want to go over these dots one more time. And these dominoes that fell slowly in the beginning, but then towards the end started falling very fast. It started with Saqifa. That was all about luck. Banu Umayyah, who were nothing before that. They were the tulaqa. They were the freed ones by Rasulullah. They were nobodies. They're the ones that if the Prophet had not shown them mercy, they would have been executed, all of them. These tulaqa who were nobodies, they came to power 50 years later. Let's see how much of it was luck. What those milestones were, how much of it was luck, how much of it was skill. And then we will end. Saqifa, it was all luck. Banu Umayyad didn't have anything to do with it. It was a mistake of the people. Umar's istikhlaf, becoming appointed directly by the first Khalifa, all luck. Banu Umayyad had nothing to do with it. Muawiyah becoming governor of Sham, luck, he got lucky. The epidemic came, took the lives of so many great, great commanders in that land of Sham, Muawiyah was left. And Umar ibn al-Khattab kept him there as the ruler and governor there. That was a mistake. Did Muawiyah have anything to do with it? He got lucky. The six-person council after the second Khalifa, choosing the third Khalifa, luck. Banu Umayyah had nothing to do with it. But with the third six-person council came the third Khalifa who was of the Banu Umayyah, a distant cousin of Muawiyah. Then the assassination of Uthman, this was also luck, but luck in the sense of, the, of, of Uthman making big mistakes in the second half of his Khilafah. But yes, as I said before, and I hinted at this, there is some skill as well that the, Shi'is, that the, that the Shia say and Shia historians say was there. And that is that the least to say is that Uthman reached out to Muawiyah, help me, and Muawiyah did not show up. The assassination of Uthman, we can say there was some skill there. The battle of Jamal, luck. How does the Muslim Ummah make such a mistake? Did Banu Umayyah have anything to do with it? Once again, there might have been some strings that were pulled, but majorly it was the mistake of the Ummah again. And those grand companions of Rasulullah that made that mistake. Safin and arbitration, all skill. This is the first time that we have all skill. Nahrawan, luck. After Nahrawan, the people didn't want to fight anymore against Muawiyah. And they deserted Imam Ali salam. Assassination of Imam Ali, luck. Imam al-Hasan's treaty, Luck, because the people deserted Imam Hassan as well. Imam Hassan felt like he's going to get killed by his own people. 
Yes, of course here there was luck, but there was some skill too. Muawiyah was doing his thing, pulling some strings as well. Imam Hassan was poisoned. This, according to, to our historians, was skill by Muawiyah. And appointing Yazid as the one to succeed Muawiyah was also all skill. So as you can see, at least half of it, or a little bit more than half of it, was luck. And when I say luck, it was the mistakes of the Ummah that accumulated in these 50 years and allowed the Banu Umayyah to slowly come back to power and eventually you have Yazid versus, versus Imam Hussein salam. Yes, brothers and sisters, it was such that the lowest of the low, the Banu Umayyah, made their way to the top. And the highest of the high, Abu Abdullah al-Hussein, Banu Hashim, they slowly went and reached the point, it reached the point that these who were the highest of the high in Islam, the body of Aba Abdullah al-Hussein ended up on the sands of Karbala under the hooves of the horses of the enemy. As-salamu ala al-Hussein wa ala Ali ibn al-Hussein wa ala awlad al-Hussein wa ala ashab al-Hussein jami'an wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Oh